It's May 6, 2020. Welcome to the new reality edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. First up, we have Aaron Shorn, and he's with Nanukai, and he joins us to talk about the upcoming 10-day entrepreneurial boot camp for students. And then we'll be joined by Pat Sullivan from Oceanit and Matthew Jenkins from the Worldwide Technology to talk about managing through this crazy time we live in. Hey, I want to welcome uh, Aaron Shorn uh, from Nalukai Academy, who joins us to tell us about the upcoming uh, boot camp for students. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Mahalo. Thank you so much for having me. Um, this year, we are going online. We're going virtual. And Bert, actually, it's 15 days. Um, 15? And we're trying to challenge what is possible with um, virtual connection. Now, um, now I, I got I to gotta tell you, you know, I took the information right off the web, and it says 10-day intensive. So Definitely definitely something to update on yeah. the website. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I, I had the opportunity to uh, attend uh, as a um, – uh, coach uh, back in uh, a couple years ago, and it, it was great. You had some really innovative and young and and, and energetic students. What is it? Uh, I call it an entrepreneurial boot camp, but uh, maybe maybe you have a, a more refined uh, description of it. It's about creating a community in Ohana of youth entrepreneurs in Hawaii and around the world. Um, we want youth to have the ability to leave and come back and thrive. Um, financially, socially, emotionally, and that's really what Nalukai is about. And it's why we were founded by our founder, Bubs Monsef, who was able to um, grow up here in Waimea um, and have some sex- successful tech startups. And at the core of who we are is, is human connection, social and emotional learning, and um, kind of redefining what it means to be an entrepreneur. Now, uh, last year you did a uh, kind of a – it was – Twofold. One was on Oahu, and one was on the Big Island, and and you actually teamed up with the the folks over at the Purple Maya. Uh, you, I I you know I mean I totally understand how the the whole pandemic uh, situation has sort of uh, forced you to scale back. But uh, what do you what do you have in store uh, besides uh, going virtual? I mean, who would be some of the mentors that will be presented? Um, we teach our young entrepreneurs to pivot. Um, and to adapt and be agile, and that's what we're trying to do this year. Um, we have mentors from across the world, and most importantly from Hawaii, not just in the venture capital or um, kind of lean startup world of modern business, um, but we have some incredible cultural practitioners, and I think that's what makes us unique, mm-hmm. is, is really looking at what it means to be an entrepreneur in Hawaii. And so being able to learn from people like Donovan K. Aloha, um, um, you know, Chad Paishan, Pomai Bertelman at Makali'i, um, having those people be just as integral as Mesa Mali, who's an incredible facilitator um, and VC guru in her own right, marrying those together, you know, marrying the culture. Um, and, and this year, most, most excitingly, we're going to have alumni team leaders be a part of every single kind of breakout room virtually. And that's a first for us to have formal roles for our alumni. And that's a, really our goal this year is to strengthen our alumni network and to professionalize our curriculum. Now, I don't want to, you know, I want to encourage everybody to, to join in. But, you know, one of the things that I really loved about being able to be on campus uh, over at the Hawaii Prep- Preparatory Academy was just the, you know, the beautiful rolling hills and having the camaraderie of, of everybody 
living in, really. And and uh, how how would you envision capturing that? Because, again, fifteen days. I'm I'm sure it's not going to be fifteen days in front of a uh, you know a, <laughs> a camera. Uh, how are you going to, I guess, embrace sort of the the camaraderie, the the togetherness that was really achieved over at the uh, HPA. I mean, you're you're right. The the boarding component of it is was was is what solidified human connection, mm-hmm. and it also allowed us to kind of almost become a family very very fast. Mm-hmm. Um, this is an exciting challenge in the midst of a massive challenge to redesign our curriculum. Um, but it, that's very poignant to what we're all going through right now, literally living through a global pandemic. We know that young people do not want to sit by idly while challenges prevent themselves. And so we're going to equip them by kind of redefining um, what a breakout room looks like. Um, We don't know what um, being able to meet in person for people on different islands looks like yet. Um, But because it's July 1st to July 16th, um, it gives us some time to kind of iterate and and think about what that looks like. You know, I've been really fortunate. I'm the capstone coordinator at HPA, looking at 5th, 8th, and 12th grade capstones. And we've been running capstone presentations that were supposed to be in person. And, Bert, we've been doing them over Zoom, and they've been, like, other than Nalukai, some of the coolest things I've ever witnessed as an educator. And to see human connection, to see youth pouring their souls out and having mentors on the call, um, that's really what we're about. What I'm about at HPA and what we're about at Nalukai is that relationship between mentor from industry, mentor um, as a cultural practitioner, and youth that are kind of craving these opportunities. That's great. That's great. Now, I know there's a deadline coming up, and uh, maybe you ought to just let people know where they can sign up before this May 10th deadline. This is this is the most uh, important part of the call, nalukai.org, nalukai.org. And, Bert, I will absolutely be sure to change that free 10-day intensive tech program to uh, um, 15-day. I just This is entirely free, and each student gets a MacBook Pro for free. We believe in giving them the tools that allow them to create anything. Um, again, please go to nalukai.org. The deadline is May 10th, and I encourage Bite Mark listeners um, to let, if they know any young people for whom this sounds like a good fit, to visit our website. Um, and if they'd like to support our work um, on equipping young, pe- young people with tools to develop self-sufficiency, business ideas, and, and grow their own capacities and thrive in Hawaii, please make a donation on the Nalukai website. Very um, good. I'm just so grateful for for this space, and um, it's just a privilege to work with these incredible youth that are changing the world. We just have to believe in them, Bert. Sounds good. I'll definitely put that up on our show notes and, and encourage all our listeners to to help out uh, where they can. So, Aaron, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Have a great rest of your segment, and I look forward to listening to it. You thanks. do incredible work. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot, and we'll take a short break, and when we return, we'll be joined by Patrick Sullivan and Matthew Jenkins, and we'll talk about how to survive through this crazy time. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors, locations, Haleakala Waldorf School and Honolulu Waldorf School. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. I am happy to welcome Pat Sullivan and Matthew Jenkins to the show. Pat is the founder and CEO of our local tech company, Oceanet. And of course, uh, they're one of the most successful around. And Matthew is the director of federal sales over at a company called Worldwide Technology. I want to welcome you both to Bite Marks Cafe. 
Aloha. It's great to be here. Now, let's start off with a, a little bit of uh, uh, background. Uh, maybe, you know, since we've had lots of uh, folks uh, uh, here talking about Oceanit, of course, Ian in particular, <laughs> I'll give, I want to give uh-huh. Matthew a chance to tell us a little bit about Worldwide Technology. Thank you, Bird. So uh, Worldwide Technology, we're a privately held uh, technology solution provider based in St. Louis, Missouri. About 6,000 people in the company, 50 locally in Hawaii. Um, you know, we are a big tech integrator. We work with some of the biggest infrastructure companies in the world. Um, some of the things that, that really differentiate us is we have a big investment in a lab that we call the Advanced Technology Center in St. Louis. And, and really, it's a it's a $500 million investment with, with engineers on top of that investment that help our customers kind of cut through some of the mud and, the, and when it comes to making technology decisions. Um, we've been based in Hawaii. We've had a, a presence there for over 10 years. Uh, we work with many, almost every segment there is um, uh, around the, uh, the islands. And, yeah, we've been, uh, you know, we're, we're, one of the things that's really important to us is Developing young talent, you know, any market you go into, some you have a harder time finding talented folks um, than others. And so one of the things we do a lot is invest in internships. So we've got five, six people that are on our team right now that are, were prior interns from the University of Hawaii or locally that we ended up bringing on. And then there's another, uh, you know, dozen that have ended up in the community in technical positions in, in, in the account base where you know, we didn't have enough capacity to hire them. So. Yeah, that's that's a that's a brief overview of the company. Great, great. Now, uh, Pat, I want to congratulate you on the the new your new book, uh, Intellectual Anarchy, and I guess that's uh, going to become available real soon, if not if not already available. But uh, uh, Pat, I, I know you've been writing this book obviously before the 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 whole pandemic thing, but uh, and you have some some great ideas on on how you know Hawaii can diversify but i, I want to ask you something i mean right before the pandemic i know i know ocean it was uh very heavily um looking at other markets and i think uh you know ian was telling me about all his trips to saudi arabia and and the oil market and how did how did the how did the pandemic sort of uh initially uh what was the impact of the pandemic to ocean it in that first couple of I guess, a couple of weeks. Well, first, we put together a thing called the WISE Protocol, which was basically work in a safe environment, mm-hmm. trying to empower everybody to use common sense. And, and before the state came out with anything, we thought I was tracking it in January in China, and the numbers were really disturbing. So we were pretty far ahead of the state in making any of these decisions. But probably the, one of the bigger challenges was we were uh, we had signed up a lot of deployments. So we had uh, this is technology we invented in Hawaii. These are nanopolymers that we use in the energy space. So we were supposed to be in Bahrain, Abu Dhabi, uh, more work, a ton of work in, in Saudi Arabia, um, and we had some things in Oklahoma and more stuff in Texas. But because of the, uh, the issue of quarantine and everything, we just said, look, guys, let's just take a pause, slow it down. We'll come back to them. We just had brought a team back from Alaska working with an Italian company that um, we're building, uh, putting together what looks like a giant fuel cell to 
instead of flaring methane to kind of put it into producing energy that they can then use for some of the things that they're doing. Um, I said, just put it on ice. Um, we were kind of on a hiring tear. We're still hiring a bunch of folks, but we kind of pivoted to um, a few things we were doing. So, for example, we had we had spent the last God, uh, six years developing a version of artificial intelligence that mm-hmm. deals with small data ambiguity, uh, edge cases, and that kind of thing, like a general intelligence. And then we were applying it to um, an application around cancer and HIV with DARPA. And we were just in a big meeting in, uh, in with DARPA in, just outside of in Arlington, Virginia, as this whole thing kind of hit. And I said, let's just pivot the team and start working on uh, COVID-19. It's a virus. We just had developed a methodology to use AI to generate the grammar of RNA so that things were, that were not calculatable were actually calculatable. Mm-hmm. So generalizing the application of grammar to general science and applying it specifically to biology so that we could come up with causal connections versus correlations. Most medicine is around correlation. If I get a million guys smoking and a million guys don't smoke, you compare them, but the non-smokers live longer. So a lot of good work for statisticians. But we thought, you know, what if we can come up with a mathematical connection, sort of the way, not that we're, we'd be on the same page with someone like Einstein, but E equals MC squared. Simple way to talk about energy, mass, and the speed of light. Once mm-hmm. you got that, you can generalize it and apply it to all kinds of things. So what we did was we said, okay, let's focus the team on this COVID-19, start with uh, see if we can make a simple test and uh, a therapy and possibly even a vaccine. So um, as of this week, we actually have uh, a designer molecule that we've been able to put together and compress. And I had laid out about a 10-year program called Digital Medicine in December, and um, we've taken several years of what we thought we'd do and compressed it into a month, month and a half. So we're getting really good results. We hope to have something that maybe could be a tool to help open up the state, a very inexpensive uh, test where theoretically you could spit in a cup and like a pregnancy kid, it'll say yes or no. Wow. And uh, something that could be mass produced and very inexpensive. So Team's working hard on that, plus we're doing all these other things. I mean, we're, you know, we kind of cover a lot of waterfront for a small outfit. So mm-hmm. We're in the aerospace, energy, life sciences, and information systems. So we're right now in the process of, I know where the rest of the state has been contracting, we're actually still recruiting. But we're really looking at people like uh, computational uh, computer scientists, uh, physicists, chemists. Uh, mathematicians, that kind of thing. So generally quite a bit of education, but um, we're just super busy as we're providing, it's kind of counterintuitive. So as the cost of petroleum has kind of hit the skids, Mm -hmm. we're real busy because we're producing disruptive ideas to make things more efficient or cost effective. So the demand has only gone up. Um, same thing with some of the, the medical stuff, ideas that might not be interesting for years to come. All of a sudden, there's a huge amount of interest in it. So it's, 
one of those things that's always kind of hard to predict, but we've been really busy. Yeah. And then I, this summer, oh, go I'm just going to comment. We, uh, we normally, over the years, we've had about six, 700 interns. And each summer, we hire up a whole bunch. Um, and we have an entire curriculum. And so uh, this summer, we had to kind of push it off because we weren't quite sure what we do. We spent a lot of time with these young people, usually undergraduate, graduate-level uh, folks. But um, what's really interesting is each summer, if we can pick up 10 or 15 of them, we might get 1,000 applicants. And they're just super talented local kids, generally, uh, some from the mainland, but there's a connection with Hawaii. So we see a big opportunity to kind of broaden the aperture of you know, how the state can support itself in the economic diversity, but people that can think about hard problems and drive it to market. No, that's great, and I, I, I do want to talk a little bit more about the, uh, your, some of your ideas in terms of uh, diversif- diversifying the economy. Uh, Matthew, you know, with, uh, with Worldwide Tech, with the, with the uh, pandemic upon us and, and potentially companies looking to tighten up their budgets, did you see any effect uh, by companies that you service uh, that would perhaps uh, maybe limit the budgets that were, they were spending on, on some of the technology that you deliver? It's an interesting question, but so the answer is yes and no. So we, we, we've definitely seen some customer sets, as you can imagine, airlines, hospitality, they've been hit very hard by this, mm-hmm. right? So they definitely have, they're on life support and they're doing minimal amount of things to keep going. Well, we've seen one of the bigger things that we offer is, is collaboration technologies and remote, secure remote access technology. So we, we've seen a pretty large uptick in a lot of our different sectors around those technologies, things that we do very well internally. We, you know, we, we live them, we, we embrace them internally. And you know, we spend a lot of time with our customers trying to get them to adopt these technologies, which would prepare you for this kind of scenario when you have to go almost fully remote with your workforce. And it's an interesting one, right, because I think about a lot of the conversations I've had, and sometimes they've hit the mark with folks and they've embraced them. Um, but often, I, I don't think they fully saw the need to, to be able to telework or remote work. And this has really brought it to the forefront, right? And who would have anticipated something like this? So you know, immediately, we've been ex- exceptionally busy helping folks set up VPNs and collaboration and really doing a lot of white glove service around just helping people use things like WebEx. You know, just the, 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 it's a user thing. It's a, it's a, uh, um, a user capability thing. So we've seen, you know, we definitely have some sectors that have been hit, but as a company, we've been busy, very, very busy. I'd mentioned earlier one of the things that we do is, is the labs, right, where we can test and evaluate technology. One of the other big capabilities we have is we have an integration center, a big um, IT integration center where we put together IT stacks for some of the biggest companies in the world, some of the biggest cloud providers. So you can imagine these cloud providers have been ramping up and having to scale up their um, their solutions through all of this. And so we've been really, really busy through that, and which has led to an interesting, you know, kind of dichotomy internal at Worldwide. Half of our workforce are knowledge workers like myself that support customers, maybe go visit them, help them do designs and, and build solutions. And then the other half are working in that integration center. So when this hit, you know, we're all at the stay home orders of the local state governor, but we've had exceptions because we had a, you know, dozens of customers, including the federal government, that said, hey, 
worldwide integration centers are critical to what we do. And so we've had to figure out ways to support people still going to work, which has you know, brought a whole different set of, of challenges internally. So what we've seen in the short term is, is really a big, a big uptick in what we do. Now, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, right, because there's always that immediate, we need to get this up and running. We've got to be able to do online learning if we're an education customer. Um, how it will sustain and how slowly this open back, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of uncertain for us right now on, on how it's going to play out. What I would say is that a lot of these technologies that in, in the concept of remote work, uh, I think you're going to find a much larger adoption around those things. And people will find out that you can actually do it effectively, that you don't want to do it 100 percent. But there's a there's an element that it makes sense to do telework. You know, there's commuting, uh, traffic. You know, there's a lot of time and, and, a, and a lot of uh, benefits to allowing your workforce to, to work from home if you enable them properly with the right technology. No, I, I, I totally agree. And in fact, uh, ever since the pandemic hit, I think I probably uh, am five to ten times more busy than I was prior to that. You know, I do want to talk a little bit about your both of your ideas on how uh, Hawaii might embrace some of the things that, that you've already uh, learned. And I think I, what I've heard from both of you is that there's a degree of not only technology but the, the diversity in terms of what you folks cover and, and, and the ability to pivot one way or the other, depending on the the situation. So I do want to I want to talk about that, but we want to hold that thought for now. We'll be right back to continue our conversation with both Pat Sullivan and Matthew Jenkins about the importance of technology in this COVID nineteen reality. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, whose contributors help Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to the St. Andrews Schools, which includes the Priory School for Girls, the Prep for Boys, and Queen Emma Preschool. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum, and if you're just joining us, we're talking to Pat Sullivan and Matthew Jenkins both about uh, building a resilient economy here in Hawaii. And Pat, uh, Pat Sullivan with the Oceanet, uh, he just um, released a, a book called uh, Intellectual Anarchy. And Pat, wh- I mean, what do, you, what do you see as being some of the messages you want to get across for other companies that might need to be more resilient in Hawaii? And, and, and maybe for the, you know, the startups, what, what, what should they be considering to to help uh, not only diversify, diversify, but sort of weather some of these uh, disruptive times that we live in? Well, we have a kind of a way to think about things, which is partly what I talk about in the book. But we, we look at offering solutions from Hawaii to the world. So we, we think of what's important, and it's, you know, we, we start things usually ahead of requirements, and that's one of the things that gives us the agility mm-hmm. because we've already been involved with something before and a requirement presents itself because we, we kind of start with fundamental science and ask questions about what's interesting and important. We kind of lay out a process like that. Um, and then we've got an entire process about human-centered product delivery, and you've met, you know, talked to Ian a bit on design thinking and how we deploy that. Uh, for Hawaii, uh, one thing I can say for certain after th- over three decades of working with uh, local kids and uh, the, you know, the quality of people 
is there's no shortage of talent or capability. But I think there's historically uh, been a lack of uh, coherent policy to help the state add to the economy in addition to tourism. And you see the, 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 the challenges around uh, not diversifying, not only with um, uh, the current condition with the, with the pandemic, but the Alice report identifies a, a huge part of the population that's struggling. And there's uh, was a change uh, effort that was done with the Community Foundation, which mm-hmm. was really great. But we need to do more than just that. And I've become a, a kind of a fan of um, uh, an economist named Paul Romer, who got the Nobel Prize in 2018, who talks about a thing called endogenous growth theory. It's really about how to grow things from the bottom up. And I think it's a, it's a model for Hawaii because the fundamentals apply, and, and that's always where I go when there's a challenge. And um, in Hawaii, we've got strong fundamentals, but I think we, we don't pay much attention to them. So uh, rather than trying to be like Silicon Valley, we need to get comfortable with how to be Hawaii. And it's a version of technology that uh, doesn't just rely on venture capital as though it's a magic formula, but to focus on the fundamentals of growing and executing business, but starting with uh, the basic ideas in science and engineering, which you, know, you hear a lot about STEM, but the connection between STEM education and product delivery um, is, has been weak. We, we talk about that in the book. You know, it's what Ocean it really does, we call mind the market. So that's kind of a business model. But I was going to say, in terms of Hawaii, we've, we started this hashtag of Reboot Hawaii, where we think um, there's a lot of good ideas out there and a lot of good talent on how we can build a future but we've got to get more comfortable with who we are mm-hmm. and what I say comfortable in our own skin rather than trying to be, uh, you know, you see a lot of talk about startups here, which is all good. But the formula everybody goes to is, well, you, you have an idea, you raise a ton of money and you move away. And that's not a sustainable model for Hawaii, whereas we need to find ways for people to stay here. And, you know, we've, we've been able to we're just one example. Of, of how this can be done, but the fundamentals are solid, and we've had just consistent growth. I mean, we're not only here, we're in Texas and D.C., California, and a bunch of other places now with like a little mini university of, of capability, and we do, you know, we really deliver the future is what we're all about. No, that's great, and, and you know, I only have about a minute, and then I, I do want to give a, a quick chance for... Um, Matthew, to just you know quickly share, what do you think needs to happen in Hawaii for, for I, you know, success? I, I think you know one of the things as a leader, my our team was really prepared for this. Like we were we were set up with remote work, we had embraced the technology, and I as a leader led the way there. I you know I, I pretty much pushed people to use the tools. I used them myself. I walked my talk, and I asked them to do it as well. And so I, I think I would I would leave you with that. I just think it's. The embracing of some of the technologies change some of the traditional ways that you think about the workplace. Um, you know, the digital transformation thing is real. And if you embrace it, you will be prepared. Some of our customers were exceptionally prepared for this and others weren't, right? And it was a real wake-up call. And so I, I look at some of the things that we did internally 
and, and it was, you know, at the leadership levels of your organization is walking the talk, adopting the things yourself and being open minded about it. Right. It's just a changing world. Our company is being stretched more than ever. You know, there's so much transformation going on in IT, and so we're in this per- perpetual growth mode. Thanks, thanks, Matthew, and I, I really appreciate it. I will, I'll put the uh, links up to your both companies uh, for later on tonight. Pat Sullivan is the founder of OceanEd, and Matthew Jenkins is director over at uh, Worldwide Technologies. And, of course, uh, both have uh, hopeful views of Hawaii's econ- economic future, and I want to thank you both for joining us today. Thank you, Bert. This has been awesome. And thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Join us next week when we will talk about the innovation ecosystem over at the University of Hawaii. If you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on BiteMarksCafe.org. And, of course, you stay awesome. We'll see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. Bite Marks Cafe.